From Schwartz Media, I'm Elizabeth Kulas. This is 7am. A visit from key US ministers gives a clearer picture of what America wants from Australia. But as Trump's trade war with China escalates, it also sets the stakes for Scott Morrison's visit to Washington next month. Paul Bongiorno on the weekend talks and the vice we're in. Is that you, Elizabeth? Hi, Paul. How are you? How's your week been? Well, I mean, it's been um, an interesting week. There's no doubt that with Parliament there and with the visiting uh, American Secretary of State and um, Defence Secretary and, and the whole issue of China and the trade war is a pause for thought for all of us. I think it's a very important Osmin meeting and it's going to be a great pleasure to host Secretary Pompeo and, of course, newly confirmed uh, Secretary of Defence uh, Dr Mark Esper uh, in Sydney. These face-to-face meetings give us a unique chance to actually sit down and get into the nitty-gritty of the issues that we, uh, we work on together constantly. Well, Mike Pompeo was here for the Australia-United States Ministerial Consultation as is the way of it with these things, that's called Osmin. We, um, we save breath by putting all that in one word. Let's start with Mike Pompeo, the US Secretary of State. Let's talk about his part of the talks. He was here to try and force the Morrison government to choose sides between America and China in their escalating trade war. Paul Bongiorno is a columnist for the Saturday paper. It's clear that when you've got the Secretary of State, which is their foreign minister, and their defence minister, that's really strategy and American strategic policy that's uh, on the table and the way in which it intersects then with Australia's. But uh, Pompeo is, of course, aware that Australia is in something of a bind, really, you could say. China is Australia's biggest trading partner. But uh, the Secretary of State came armed with some numbers of his own. The United States invests nearly $170 billion in Australia each and every year. The United States is by far the largest investor here in Australia, accounting for more than 25% of all foreign direct investment. That's a message that, um, don't mess with us, we're even more important than China. And an even um, more direct appeal, he put it like this. Look, um, you you can sell your soul for a pile of soybeans or you can protect your people. Our, our mission set is to actually do both. When he said that, he basically is saying that Australia is prepared to sell its soul for a quick buck. Now, the point about the soybean analogy is a real sore point for the Trump administration because one of the ways in which China has retaliated is by banning the import of American agricultural products particularly soybeans. Now, the Trump administration has had to compensate its farmers for this massive loss. Pompeo seems to be saying, we're prepared to pay the price for staring down China, and you ought to be. In other words, you ought to do damage to your economy, just like we are, to stare down China. This is what former Prime Minister Paul Keating, speaking to the ABC 730, called doing the Rodney Rood Act. (laughs) What Keating meant by that is that um, this big American comes into town and um, gives us the taste of Trump swagger. (laughs) Okay. And how did our own government respond to that criticism from Pompeo? Well, at the joint news conference, Foreign Minister Maurice Payne repeated the formula used by Prime Minister Morrison at the Osaka G20 in July, that in terms of regional engagement, we see China as a vitally important, and wait for this word, partner for Australia. 
Now, on RN Breakfast the next day, Defence Minister Linda Reynolds said much the same thing. For Australia, she says it's not a matter of choice between the United States and China. And remember, Pompeo and Isba, the Defence Secretary, they were here to say to Australia, you've got to make a choice. After that meeting, Linda Reynolds China. said... When it comes to China, we have a strong and long-standing relationship. And with the United States, they remain our strongest ally. So you can see uh, that the Morrison government, like its predecessors, Labor and Liberal, is trying to keep the two balls in the air. And so, as you mentioned, the other minister who was present from the US at the Osmin meeting was Secretary of Defence Mark Esper. We also stand firmly against a disturbing pattern of aggressive behaviour, destabilising behaviour from China. I think we need to give context to ESPA and just how disconcerting uh, the Trump administration is for us. ESPA is the third Secretary of Defence that Trump has had in his three and a half years of presidency. In fact, there have been four because another guy was acting before ESPA was finally appointed a couple of weeks ago by Trump. But anyway, while on his way to Australia, ESPA told journalists accompanying him that he wanted to see ground-based intermediate range missiles in Asia, quote, sooner rather than later. Many thought this meant missiles in Australia. Well, um, not surprising. This alarmed the Australian ministers. At a dinner at the Swank Aria restaurant in Circular Quay, Linda Reynolds rebuffed Esper's approach. I'm told that he tentatively put it to the minister and later at the news conference he put it diplomatically saying that when she directly asked Esper about it, his missile deployment and where he wanted to put them, he said he was not asking Australia. Morrison was even more emphatic the next day, saying that deploying the missiles here was not something the government would consider. And how do you think the um, Americans set off back home? What was the tenor of the engagement as they as they left? Well, um, even Rodney Roode can be diplomatic when he has to be. The Americans left Australia and the Australians stayed here all singing the praises of our long and enduring alliance, saying it was stronger than ever and more united than ever, even in the Asia-Pacific trying to help Asian-Pacific nations be free, sovereign and prosperous. And uh, Australia, to this point of time, says that China's got a part to play in that, you know... It's there that we differ. We'll be right back. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship, and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Paul, the US Secretary of State and the Secretary of Defence were both in Sydney at the weekend for these Osmin talks. The Morrison government avoided being wedged on China but was alarmed by the prospect of basing intermediate-range missiles here. What concessions did we make to our allies in America? 
Well, uh, Morrison said he was carefully considering another US request, and that is to join it in keeping oil tankers safe from Iranian interception and seizure through the Strait of Hormuz. That strait is one of the busiest oil waterways uh, in the world. Prime Minister insists the request is about freedom of navigation, and he says it's separate from Trump's inflaming of the situation in the Middle East. Given that context, former Army Chief Peter Lay warned that the US should do more talking before Australia starts putting our warships in and around the Strait of Hormuz. And he said, we've got plenty of things to do back here in our region. Hugh White advised both the Hawke and Howard governments on defence and strategic matters. He said Australia would sooner commit to action in the Middle East than risk-provoking China in the Asia-Pacific. He says he calls it a ploy to keep Washington on side. That means that we then don't have to be perceived to be so mm, bellicose towards China in China's area of the world. And how is Morrison handling that side of the relationship, the China side of the relationship? Well, Morrison is trying to shape the sort of accommodation achieved by previous Australian governments with Beijing and Washington. Beijing has been particularly frosty in recent years, especially after the way Canberra has handled the foreign interference laws. Kevin Rudd, who now heads up one of the world's most prestigious foreign policy think tanks in New York, the Asia Society Policy Institute, says that Australia doesn't have an effective China strategy. He claimed he had when he was in government. He said uh, he did have a plan. But, you know, the fact is that neither Rudd nor Howard nor Hawke before him had to deal with the two giant disruptors, Xi Jinping and Donald Trump the degree of difficulty is is extraordinarily greater. This is where we can only hope that the mercurial and erratic Trump is not matched by China deciding to be just as mercurial and erratic. And Donald Trump is living up to that reputation. That's right. We're getting some new tweets now from President Trump in a tweet thread slapping additional tariffs on China. And China eats it because uh, they have to pay it because what they do is they... Well, yes, Donald Trump announced on Twitter that he would impose more tariffs on the remaining $300 billion of goods and products coming from China into America. This was on top of the $250 billion worth of goods already tariffed at 25%. Now, Trump had been provoked by China's decision to stop buying millions of dollars worth of American agricultural products. It retaliated to Trump's threat by devaluing the currency. So it took about a week for the escalation to ramp up as dramatically as it did. But it also had an effect here once it had, in fact, ramped up. Well, look, you can't have the world's two giant trading nations battering each other, and it doesn't have effect on world trade generally. It spooked financial markets. Uh, There was what some commentators described as carnage on markets around the world. On Tuesday, the Australian dollar plunged to a 10-year low. $86 billion was wiped off the value of Australia's biggest companies in two days. And what is our own Reserve Bank saying here in response to that situation, to the global economic situation? Well, the Reserve Bank, as you know, uh, the board meets uh, every first Tuesday on the month. And in this Tuesday, it indicated that further interest rate cuts were on the cards in the months ahead. And importantly, it downgraded its own forecast for jobs and growth. Treasurer Josh Frydenberg rushed into the media to say there's no need to panic. 
He told ABC Radio, we shouldn't overreact to these developments, but we should recognise that China's currency moves and the increase in US tariffs are an unwanted escalation. So Frydenberg wasn't trying to hide the reality here, but he was trying to play down its impact. Federal Cabinet, in fact, discussed the situation on Tuesday. They did so in the context of their very big promise to deliver a budget surplus next year. So what does all this mean for Morrison's trip to the US next month? Well, Morrison's been invited to Washington uh, and he's going to be schmoozed in a very big way. Trump has already signalled that all the bells and whistles of a state visit will be there. Something to behold. I've seen one of these. Uh, Bob Hawke was fated with the drum and fife band in uh, in the costumes of uh, the Boston Tea Party. They'll be there to pipe him in and there'll be an amazing formal dinner and, of course, talks. Morrison will be arriving at a time in the middle of this huge trade conflict between the two countries that have very significant impact for Australia and our fortunes, indeed for the world and its fortunes. It'll be interesting to see whether Morrison maintains his own cool and maybe raises with Trump a couple of other things like the folly of climate vandalism or the danger of white nationalism. Paul, in your mind, what does a successful visit for Morrison look like? If he comes away from the US, you know, with anything, what would be the best outcome? Well, if he comes away from the US with Donald Trump saying that we're great allies and great allies can agree to differ, um, that'd be a very successful visit, I think. But if he comes away saying that um, we're going to uh, ramp up our military involvement in the Asia Pacific, I think that that would be a very moot outcome for Australia. Paul, thank you so much. We'll chat to you next week. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. Have fun. Bye. Join Richard Tognetti and the ACO for a bold and intrepid 2022. Featuring a live national concert season, their acclaimed on-demand film series ACO Studio Casts, and exciting programs from their new home in Sydney's Walsh Bay. Subscriptions now on sale at aco.com.au. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive the Saturday paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. Elsewhere in the news, the Chinese embassy in Canberra has issued a strong statement condemning Liberal MP Andrew Hastie for an opinion piece that compared the world's approach to China with France's ineffective attempts to contain Germany before World War II. The statement said, quote, We strongly deplore the Australian Federal MP Andrew Hastie's rhetoric on China threat, which lays bare his Cold War mentality and ideological bias. Minister for Home Affairs Peter Dutton has defended Hastie, who chairs the powerful Parliamentary Joint Committee for Intelligence and Security. And the bodies of two teenagers believed to be responsible for a string of murders in Canada, including the killing of Sydney man Lucas Fowler, have been found in dense bush in the province of Manitoba. Canadian police said they were confident the bodies were of the 18- and 19-year-old suspects and said items connected to them were found nearby.
7am is produced by Emile Klein, Ruby Schwartz and Atticus Basto with Michelle Macklem. Eric Jensen is our editor. Our theme music is by Ned Beckley and Josh Hogan of Envelope Audio. This is 7am. I'm Elizabeth Coolass. See you next week. <laughs>